What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? It is Friday, July 8th, 2022. And I'm your host, as always, The Pody. Welcome aboard for episode 176. Um, on today's episode, we are going to talk about everything from Joey Chestnut winning his 15th Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest, 15-time champ. He was doing it on one leg. A protester interrupted him during the competition. He puts him in a chokehold. It messes up with his rhythm, his cadence, but he's still, after all that was said and done, after those 10 minutes, he still knocked back 63 glizzies and buns to become the champ. He didn't break his record. The over-under on this was like 70 or 74. I forget what it was. But um, the conditions, it was very hot. He did not hit that. We'll talk about uh, some baseball. We're, we're nearing the All-Star break. All-Star starters were announced today. So I will give you that. I'll talk a little bit about Brittany Griner and her situation. If you don't know, she's stuck in a Russian gulag. Not really, but she's stuck somewhere in Russia in custody, detained, in prison, if you will. Um, so I'll go over that. Just just a lot to get over. It's not going to be a relatively long episode, but uh, we'll get you the nuts and bolts and, and, and pretty much inform you of what's going on in in the world of sports this week. So without further ado, let's jump right in. Okay, so we're going to start with last night's NHL draft. I'm not too big of a hockey fan, but I, I feel like I've done a decent job of connecting my hockey audience to the show and, and giving as much hockey takes as I can or, or information as I can. So last night we had the NHL draft and it was a little bit interesting because Shane Wright, the presumptive top pick for the last few years, slid all the way down to number four to the Kraken as a pair of Slovakians went one and two back to back. It was the first time that one country outside of North America had picks 1-2 in the draft since 2004 when, you guessed it, Alex Ovechkin went 1 and Evgeny Malkin went 2, both Russian-born. Um, at number 2, going to the Devils, you had winger Jirag, or Jiraj Slavkovsky. Um, he was your Beijing Olympics MVP. Excuse me. That was the number one pick. I got a little ahead of myself. The Beijing Olympics MVP was the number one pick. The Devils at number two took Simon Nemec. And like I said, the uh, presumptive number one pick, Shane Wright, slid all the way to four. I'm not going to go over too much else um, in detail on that, but I just thought that was an interesting um, top of the board with the two guys from Slovakia going 1-2. Very intriguing there. Okay, the Yankees beat the Red Sox last night 6-5 to to earn their 60th win of the season in just their 83rd game of the season, which is tied for the second fewest games needed to reach 60 wins in franchise history. They got there in 80 games in 1998, of course, that was the year they won the World Series. So hoping for a repeat of that success. Uh, they got the party started last night with back-to-back -back home runs, including this mammoth blast from Josh Donaldson. Hammers this deep to center field. Durant back, looking up.
Okay, so that was Josh Donaldson getting things started with the Grand Slam. And that was actually followed up with Aaron Hicks hitting a home run of his own to go back to back. And now the let's go Yankees chance here at Fenway as Hicks drives one in the air to right. Bradley back at the wall. It's gone. Donaldson. In so that made it 5 nothing in the third inning. I'm loving it because Judge was dealing with a little uh, lower body soreness. Um, whatever. I was a little annoyed because he's your presumptive MVP favorite right now to start the season. He's killing it on pace for 60 home runs. Could he break the record? Yada, yada, yada. The Roger Maris record of 61. And he's not playing in Yankees Red Sox at Fenway. This is a big series before the All-Star break. Red Sox are kind of a surging team there in that wild card after a slow start, and you want to win these games. But the Yankees get off to the hot 5 nothing start there in the third inning. Um, they would tack one on a little bit later. I believe on a Jose Trevino, he pops it up to first base with two outs with a runner on second, and he it was Hicks, I believe, who came in to score, and the first baseman lost the ball, and it dropped in, and Trevino got to second with a, with a double, actually. And uh, Red Sox scored some runs. Friggin' Rafael Devers hit two home runs off, off Garrett Cole, who just can't pitch in Fenway and certainly can't pitch to one Rafael Devers, who is having a monster season. But the Yankees were able to hold on. Clay Holmes with another save. Bullpen did a great job. And the Yankees won 6-5. to five. And you'd assume Judge would be in the lineup uh, today. All right, let's talk about Brittany Griner. I teased it in the open. She is, of course, one of the most accomplished women's basketball players of the decade. She, of course, revolutionized dunking at the college level, at the women's level, because she's so tall, and she put on a show at Baylor for, for uh, four years. She pled guilty in a Russian court yesterday to drug charges. So what happened back in February... Uh, she plays overseas in Russia because the WNBA, God forbid, they only make about $250,000. It's, you know, it's it's not enough money to survive off of guys. But when you compare it to their male counterparts in the NBA, monster contracts. I spoke about them last week at the start of free agency, $250 million handouts left, right, and center. It's not a lot of money. So they go over to these other countries where they can make more money. I believe she was leaving Russia because of everything that was going on with the war. I'm not quite sure. And when she was in a Moscow airport, she claims that she was grabbing things quickly to leave. She had some hashish oil or some weed oil, whatever, in her in her possession. And she was detained and she's been stuck there ever since. She was um, tested. She, you know, she wasn't high or didn't have anything in her system. She just had it on her. And here in the U.S., being that she's a celebrity, that wouldn't have even stirred a news story, really. I mean, it's not legal in every state yet, but it's starting to – there's some leniency going on there. They've just legalized recreational weed in, in New Jersey, here in New Jersey, and several other states. So that wouldn't have even – been a blip on the radar, but because it's another country, especially a country like Russia, who does not have good relations with the United States, they detained her. This has since become somewhat of an international incident, but she's been stuck there since February. So yesterday she pled guilty, which is what she was supposed to do to show uh, Russia that she's taking this seriously, that she's agreeing to to fault here. She faces a maximum of 10 years in prison, but there's a big but here. By pleading guilty, she is now a political bargaining chip, and she can be used in maybe a prisoner swap. There's been talks of, uh, of a couple of prisoners, one guy serving 25 uh, years for trafficking arms to enemy states that wanted to kill you. Uh, you know, U.S. citizens. So it, it's a whole situation. Um, over July 4th weekend, she she wrote a letter pleading to President Biden. Oh, I voted for you. Please don't forget about me over here. My father's a veteran, and this is so sad that I can't be with my family and my wife over the July 4th holiday, Independence uh, Day. And I'm just sitting here thinking, 
what pretty much everyone's probably thinking. Donald Trump was viewed as the biggest racist ever. Anybody that's a Donald Trump fan or that supported Donald Trump or voted for Donald Trump is a racist. All these things. And what did Donald Trump do the second a prominent black person was in trouble overseas in another country? He got them out in about five minutes by threatening political action, threatening war, whatever he had to do. He got rapper Aesop Rocky back from Sweden in a matter of a minute. And here we go. Brittany Griner is stuck in Russia since February. You better believe Donald Trump would have had her back in seconds, if not minutes. There, some way, somehow, he would have been, you want a prisoner? Okay, here you go. Whatever he would have had to do, he would have got her back. And it has nothing to do with politics. That's just facts because that's who the type of person Donald Trump is. He doesn't have to agree with or disagree with you. He knows optics and he knows he, – he, he probably has no clue who ASAP Rocky is, but he's smart. He knows that ASAP Rocky is a big-time black political figure, and by getting him on his side – that opens the door, that opens that connection to that part of the culture, that part of the country, that type of person that's a fan, that's a rap fan, that younger generation. And you better believe that Donald Trump runs for president again, ASAP Rocky and all his people will be voting for Donald Trump. That's just facts. So um, hopefully Brittany Griner can get back to the United States and pretty quickly. This is dragged on for, for long enough, but I'll keep an eye in the news. I'll let you guys know next week if, if any new developments um, come about. All right, let's talk Wimbledon. It's been an interesting week to say the least. Unfortunately, Rafael Nadal had to withdraw ahead of the semifinals with an abdominal strain, and that will do it for the calendar year Grand Slam. His opponent, Nick Kyrgios, who had never made it to a semifinal of a of a major now moves on to the finals where he will face Novak Djokovic in his like I said he hadn't made it to a semifinal so this will be his first major final uh joke the joker advanced to his 32nd career major final breaking a tie with Roger Federer for the most by a man all time it is his eighth Wimbledon final alone, which breaks a tie with Pete Sampras and Boris Becker for the second most by a man in the open error. Of course, Federer has 12. And as far as Kyr I don't know if it's Kyrgios or Kyrgios. I usually keep the G silent. He's he's Australian, but he is unbelievably great for TV. Love him or hate him. Um, if you don't know much about tennis, you have at least seen some of his antics on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok. He's just that crazy, uh, tall, dark skin complexion, and he berates umpires, refs, uh, left and right. Unbelievable. He berates pretty much, talks down to these reporters that ask him dumb questions. Um, just this week at Wimbledon alone, he showed up in a red hat and Jordans, which goes against the Wimbledon rules. And when asked about it, asked if does he think he's above the rules and all this other stuff, he basically told the reporter to go himself. And he said any publicity is good publicity. And not to mention, he's also being accused of assaulting his ex-girlfriend. That, of course, came about this week as well. Um, but any way you look at it, great entertainment. Uh, excuse me, great entertainment. He makes for some great TV and can't wait to watch that final on Sunday. He probably will get smacked by uh, Djokovic, but um, we'll see. There could be some good antics. He could smash a racket. He could yell at, a, at an umpire over, over a challenge call or something. Uh, it should be fun. And then um, on the flip side of that, the women, you've got Elena Ribakina. And Anz Jabor, they will play in the women's final tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. I have not heard of either of them. So I'm assuming the, there were some upsets on the women's side to get here. So, uh, yeah, that'll be tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. All right, the Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders, they made headlines yesterday announcing their third team president in less than a year. Yikes. Um, the team uh, the team named Sandra Douglas Morgan. 
the former Nevada Gaming Control Board chairwoman to the role, making her the first black woman to serve as president of an NFL team. That's pretty cool. Before her, there was Mark Badane, who had been with the organization for three decades. He resigned in July of 2021. Then Dan Ventrell was fired in May. And according to him, he was fired because he told the NFL about allegations of a hostile workplace environment under Mark Davis, owner Mark Davis. So, yikes. I mean, let's be real. Ever since John Gruden got blackballed, got fired for all the emails that came about, he's still fighting that in court, by the way. Um, the Raiders really haven't been an organization worth playing or working for. Yes, they made the playoffs. Yes, they're making strides. They did a pretty good job after Gruden got fired, to say the least, but they're in a very tough division, and she's going to have her work cut out for her. So we'll see how that plays out. But yeah, making a little history there. Okay, so uh, some sad news to report. Mark Brito, the influential Dodgers scout who signed Fernando Valenzuela, died at the age of 87 this week. Brito worked for the Dodgers for nearly 45 years, joining the organization way back in 1978. More than 30 of his signees became major league players, including Yasiel Puig, who I believe right now is somewhere in the Mexican leagues or something like that. He really destroyed his career. Uh, Joaquim Soria and current Dodger, Dodgers Julio Urias and Victor Gonzalez. He was named MLB's International Scout of the Year in 2014. And last year, he received Baseball America's Tony Gwynn Award for his lifetime achievements. We also have to say goodbye to longtime actor James Kahn, who passed away Wednesday at the age of 82. Kahn, best known for his turn as Sonny Corleone the, uh, in The Godfather and as a dying professional football player, Brian Piccolo in the made-for-TV movie Brian's Song, which earned him an Oscar and Emmy nominations. Of course, he played Will Ferrell's father in the movie Elf, a job that he actually... Um, in an interview, said he wanted nothing to do with. He tried to turn down the script and said he'd never seen himself, never sees himself doing a Christmas movie. One thing leads to another. Next thing you know, boom, Elf is a cult favorite, a huge Christmas comedy, uh, one of the greats of all time. He also starred in the TV show Las Vegas alongside Josh Dumal. I mean, just a huge, huge career. Um, I was a huge fan. I'm a huge fan of his son, um, Scott Can, who was in Ocean's Eleven, who was also in one of my favorite shows, the remake of Hawaii Five-0 that ran for, Jesus, uh, 9, 10, 11 seasons. Um, so he had a great, great, great career. Um, and it's really interesting because a lot of these actors are starting to die off, especially the ones from The Godfather. You had... You had um, Ray Liotta, who just recently passed. James Caan now from from The Godfather. I mean, who's next? De Niro, Pacino. I, I mean, these guys are getting up there, so uh, it, it's scary. And there was another um, actor that actually died today as well from The Sopranos, Tony Sirico. He died at the age of 79, so it's kind of crazy. All these all these Italians are dying. Um, just Just crazy, so... Yeah, 79 years old. Every Everybody's going. It, it, you know, it's wild. But uh, can't take any days for granted and, and enjoy, you know, life to the fullest. That's all you can do. So, yeah, um, James Kahn, he leaves behind five children, including, like I said, his actor son, who's the most famous of the bunch, Scott. Um, so, yeah, very sad. R.I.P. I used to watch Las Vegas, which is a very underrated show with him and Josh Dumal and a couple of others. Um, during the days with my brothers, I don't remember if it was in the summer when I was in college or when, but it would come on during the days on like NBC or something daytime. And we would, we would watch it obsessively for, this was a long time running that we would do this. So it, it, I'm, I'm assuming it was probably over the summer or when I was in college and I wasn't going, um, to, and I had classes maybe later in the day or something, but yeah, it was, um, 
it was definitely a great show and I got into it and that's when I really started to become a fan of James Caan. Okay, so we had some big news to report out of the NFL. It has finally happened. Baker Mayfield has been shipped out of Cleveland, which I don't know what the Cleveland Browns are doing. I know Baker wanted out, but I would have just said, you're not going anywhere. We need you because we know Deshaun Watson's getting suspended. So I don't know what their backup plan is now that he's that Deshaun Watson is probably going to get suspended and they've, they've shipped off Baker Mayfield. Well, um, I won't keep you waiting any longer. He has been traded to the Carolina Panthers. Apparently that was the only team interested in Baker Mayfield. They gave up just a fifth round pick to get to take on the former number one overall pick. And can I just say one thing? Awkward. Robbie Anderson, when reports came about back in March that the Panthers were interested in Baker Mayfield, he had a one word answer. No. And according to him, it was just showing love for his quarterback, Sam Darnold. It actually just came out today that Robbie Anderson believes that Sam Darnold never should have started as a rookie with the Jets. And he believes that it stunted his development and it hurt his growth. And I can't say I disagree with that statement at all. Um, but that's the dumpster fire that is the Jets. The Panthers, Baker Mayfield, you're trading just a fifth round pick for him. But I have to assume that they're trading for him because they don't believe in Sam Darnold. He ranks last in most categories since coming into the league. Not that Baker Mayfield is much better, but he is a little less turnover prone. Um, the problem with Sam Darnold last year was he didn't get a full season of Christian McCaffrey. When Christian McCaffrey was in there with him and healthy, they were 3-0. and As soon as McCaffrey goes down and gets hurt, all the weight is now squarely on Sam Darnold's shoulders. And that's a tough thing to do. The Panthers were not a good team with a good quarterback last year. So it's going to be interesting. Let's see if this kind of elevates both of their game plays. But by September, I expect Baker Mayfield to win this job. And we'll see what happens with Sam Darnold. I mean, Baker Mayfield had a down year, had the labrum injury. He had the the, uh, the surgery. He only missed one game because of that shoulder and I think a knee problem as well. But uh, he played through it, had a harness on, and he got surgery in January, so he should be good to go. But he's a very injury-prone guy too sometimes. And we'll see. You know, He could get hurt. Sam Darnold could come in and take over or vice versa, whatever. So it's just very interesting. Um, one quick note, the Panthers now become just the second team in the common draft era to have two quarterbacks drafted in the top three in the same draft. The other team was the 1980 Raiders, who had number one overall pick, Jim Plunkett, and number three pick, Dan Pastorini, on its roster. And guess what? That was the year the Raiders ended up winning a Super Bowl, the first wildcard team to win a Super Bowl. So Panthers are, are hoping that they, they could be the second. All right. Let's talk real quick about Bradley Beal. I spoke last week about his crazy $251 million contract to remain with the Washington Wizards, which is really strange because there was reports all last year, the last couple of years, that Bradley Beal needs to leave. Like The Nets were looking at him, maybe Miami, to trade for him before Harden, of course. And he stays he stays put on a team which doesn't really seem like they're built to win, right? Well, it came out today or yesterday that his $251 million contract has a no-trade clause, which is so extremely rare that he is the only player in the NBA with one. So not only is he going to be making $50 million a year, but he can veto any trade even if he asks to be traded as Kevin Durant just did. Crazy. Staying in the realm of basketball, breaking news today, Damian Lillard signed a two-year max extension for $122 million. Oh, my God. Yeah, that is a lot of money. Um, just so you know how much money that is, 
he's going to be making the most money in the NBA in 2028 or 2027. He'll be making $63 million, I believe it is. Um, I think it was 2027. Um, let me just see if I can double check that. Let's see. Um, 63 million in 2027. Yeah, he'll be the highest paid player. So he's going to run it back for a couple more years in Portland, um, which is quite interesting. They've made a couple of, you know, free agent moves here and there, bringing in um, Gary Payton, the second. Uh, so it, it's interesting. Um, but I will say one thing. He is second all time in franchise history in points, field goals made, minutes, and he's fourth in games. In those three categories I just mentioned where he's second, the only player ahead of him is Clyde Drexler. So he has a chance to break some of those records and become number one. Um, he's Listen, Damian Lillard is a very, very good player. He was underrated for many, many years early on in his career, getting snubbed for multiple all-star uh, nods. And I listen, if you pair him legitimately with some superstar talent, this guy can win. So, uh, I mean, he he's he's an assassin on the court. Dame time, like, he he's ridiculous. Uh, you know, if it weren't for Steph Curry, this guy would be the, the it player in the NBA, in my opinion, in terms of like the, the, the deep threes and all the flashiness and everything else. So crazy, 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 crazy. All right. There's still no word on Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving or what's going to happen with them. We all know that they, they want out from the nets. Look, the nets are standing pat. They're standing firm. There's a new report out maybe yesterday I saw this that or today that the Nets reportedly called up Minnesota, the Timberwolves, and were shopping Kevin Durant. And apparently what the Nets asked in return was they wanted Carl Anthony Towns and the Ant-Man himself, Anthony Edwards, plus four picks. Oh my God. That is absolutely insane, but it is as smart as you and constructed and stealthy as you can be if you're Sean Marks and you're the Nets ownership. Why? Because what you can now do is price Kevin Durant so high that by the time you receive everything back for whichever team you're going to trade him to, there's not enough pieces left in that organization, the Nets are going to gut any organization that tries to trade for Kevin Durant so much so that Kevin Durant's best option, according to R Richard Jefferson, is this. And and to your point, it reminds me of when Kobe Bryant asked for a trade. Mm. Remember when the Lakers on the were, radio? Uh, yeah, well, he was talking about you know he wanted to get traded, and then there was a lot of conversation about Chicago, and then they were like, well, this is our asking price for Kobe Bryant in his prime, and Chicago all they were gonna you know take everything that they can, and Kobe was like, nah, I'm good because if I go there, there's not gonna be anything to play with. So it is a lot trickier. Kevin Durant, he could, might be better off. I'm just saying he'd be better off staying in Brooklyn. If he's going to go to a team with no other superstar, no potential all-star, no other talent, it's not. So it's. I think it's a lot more complicated than I think people understand because Kevin Durant's not just leaving Brooklyn for a change of scenery. He's leaving Brooklyn because he wants to go compete for a championship. So you can't take all the pieces, add Kevin Durant, and be like, here you go. So sure. it's going to get complicated. Well, so there you have it. And I have to say, after listening to this, dissecting it, it's a great, great point. I didn't think... I mean, I hope I'm hopeful that he stays. I, you know, when you look back on what he was saying about Kobe Bryant, I don't know that anyone actually realizes, because I don't remember it being that publicized that that really Kobe wanted out, and, and it didn't seem like it was such a big deal compared to this. But apparently, according to Richard Jefferson, that was legit. He wanted out, but they couldn't. He 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 had no option but to stay because, like he said, like you heard. By the time they trade everything back to the Lakers or the Nets, the team you're going to is worse than the team you're already on. So just figure out a way to put your differences aside. This team, 
you got to give it one or two years. You've got to give it a chance with Ben Simmons and Kyrie. We all know what Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving can do. When those two are on the court, they can, those two alone with the other pieces around them, I'm convinced, can get to an Eastern Conference Finals and possibly get to an NBA Finals with just them two. Getting Joe Harris back, especially re-signing Patty Mills, like, I think that team could get to a finals on its own. But if you add Ben's, I don't think it's likely, but if they were to stay healthy through the playoffs, I think it's possible. Now, if you add Ben Simmons, a healthy Ben Simmons who claims to be healthy, then I think it could work. He is a very underrated, I'm not a fan of his, but if you pair him with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, the sky's the limit. He could triple-double every game. He can't shoot free throws or, or shoot, period, but he can dunk. He can get layups. He can get up and down the court very quickly. Um, I, I mean, he can dish it. He can rebound. He can pretty much do it all. And if you, you your best chance is to pair him with those two because, and for Kevin Durant to stay and hopefully as the time goes by and the months go go by or weeks go by, he starts to realize that this is not going to happen, that he has no leverage here, that there's nowhere he can go where the, where the Nets won't gut that team. So, and we all know Kevin Durant at this stage of his career is not willing to go to a team just to get out of Brooklyn. He wants to go where he can win. That's the point. He figured, he realizes that after three years, two, uh, playing, that this isn't working out and he wants to leave. But his best chance to go and win a championship is not with Miami. It's not with Portland. It's not with the Suns. Because by the time he goes there and the Nets trade him and get everything back, forget about it. Forget about it. No shot. So stay in Brooklyn, Kevin. Listen to Richard Jefferson, someone who played for the Nets, who knows best, who's an NBA champ, who is a, a an NCAA champion. Pay attention to your elders and stay with the Nets, please. All right, let's talk some baseball. Max Scherzer made his much-awaited return from the IL Tuesday. Back on the hill for the Mets who despite not having DeGrom or Scherzer for most of the season, sit in first place. There are a few games up on the surging World Series champion Atlanta Braves. How'd Scherzer do in his first outing back? Did he have any rust? Did he get hit around a little bit? Uh, no. Scherzer went six scoreless with 11 strikeouts, just doing Scherzer things. I think he's like 5-1 and one now with a sub-2-5 ERA. Just ridiculous. It's a real possibility if the Mets can get DeGrom back real soon that they will be the odds-on favorite to win the NL pennant in the second half of the year for sure. Um, the only team, like I said, besides the Braves that they're competing against is, of course, themselves. And what do I mean by that? Uh, managerial decisions, um, injuries. Really, it comes down to injuries. Uh, and speaking about speaking on DeGrom, he's making significant progress. He made his second rehab start tonight, going three scoreless innings while striking out six for single A St. Lucie, the St. Lucie Mets, although uh, a batter almost hit one out, I believe, in the first inning. But he's facing, you know, single A players. These are raw players right out of college for the most part. And of course, he's going to dominate them. Throw He's throwing 100. He said he feels real good. He's ramping things up and the Mets are looking to get him back. They're going to take things slowly. End of the month is a real possibility. Um, maybe beginning of August. Okay, uh, we had a very, very scary situation last night in the Padres game. I did not see this live. I was sleeping by this point. Um, actually, my internet went out for much of the night uh, around like 12, 15. So uh, I couldn't even, I, well, I wasn't watching the game and then my internet did go out. So I, I wouldn't have seen this anyway. Uh, so I saw it this morning. Jerickson Profar had an insane excuse me, insanely scary collision on a shallow fly ball hit um, in left field, like just beyond shortstop into the outfield grass. There was a shift on. So the second baseman comes sprinting over. C.J. Abrams makes a ridiculous catch, but it's one of those balls where unless the outfielder calls you off, you're going at it full speed, full force, and trying to make a play. And just listen to what happened. Well, I work retail. In the air to shallow left. Long run. Look out! 
Abrams makes the catch, but cleats go into Profar. And both are injured. Abrams held on to the baseball, but Profar never stopped coming in, and the two collide. Wow. Wow. I mean, that was one heck of a collision. Good to see CJ up. Now uh, Jerkson getting looked at his jaw. So I'm going to pause that for a quick second right there. They said, oh, suddenly, because Jerks and Profar um, on the replay, you can see the slow-mo of him getting absolutely kicked in the jaw, the side of the face and the jaw. Just, oh, it was disturbing to see it. He was moving around. I, I was looked, that was the first thing I was looking for was the movement. And then the trainers went out there. They were with him for a long time, but I'll let this clip finish up. And then I'll tell you the crazy part that happened that I don't even think is caught on this, on this audio. Broke his chain. Wow. That was such a hit to the jaw throat area chin area that he broke his chain necklace came off he was trying to get out of the way yeah that was one of those in-betweeners those shallow fly balls to uh, left field both converging and you know when you're running like that and you want to make the play it's kind of tough to hear communication and uh, well he, he's speaking to the trainer um, yeah so that's the end of it all right, so here's what happens. End of the audio, not end of the situation. He goes to walk off the field with the trainer, and he starts taking about three, four, five steps, and he just collapses. He almost essentially, like, passes out, and that's when they have to, like, cart him off. Thankfully, after some some tests, some x-rays, et cetera, he's okay. He has a concussion and a strained neck. If I had to guess... He will go on the IL and he won't come back until after the all-star break. Um, but wow, if you haven't seen it, go watch the clip. It was pretty scary. And it's just thank I'm um, thankfully, thankfully, he's okay. Um so we're about what, a week and a half away from the All-Star game? So, yeah, I, I would imagine he's going to go on the IL. I mean, concussions can last about a week or so, maybe 10 days. So, yeah, he's going to go on the IL for sure, and he will probably come back after the All-Star game. Of course, we know the history with players and concussion symptoms. Um, Brandon Drury had issues with the Yankees. Clint Frazier had issues with the Yankees. I don't know if Brandon Drury's was so much concussions or he was just getting headaches and migraines and stuff, but Clint Frazier suffered a concussion and it took him like years. He's still not the same player um, at all. So yes, scary situation, but hopefully and thankfully, you know, no internal bleeding, anything like that. He, he should be okay. Okay, MLB All-Star Game, like I just said, is 10 days away, or excuse me, 11 days away. And today, All-Star Game starters were announced. So I'm going to start with the National League. Your starting catcher will be Wilson Contreras of the Cubs. At first base, you've got Paul Goldschmidt of the Cardinals, who's having an MVP caliber season. Second base is one of my favorite, most underrated players in all of Major League Baseball, Jazz Chisholm of the Marlins. At third base, you've got Manny Machado from the Padres. Shortstop will be Dodgers' own Trey Turner. And in the three outfield spots, you've got Ronald Acuna Jr., Mookie Betts, and Jock Peterson of the Braves, Dodgers, Giants. And then your DH will be Bryce Harper. However, Bryce Harper is recovering uh from that broken thumb suffered from that hit hit by pitch a few weeks ago or a couple weeks ago or last week, whatever it was. So he will be out. I'm not sure who they're replacing him with just yet. Switch on over to the American League. You have two Blue Jays starting in the infield. You've got catcher Alejandro Kirk and Vlad Jr. Second base is Jose Altuve of the Astros. Boo! At third base, you've got Rafael Devers of the Red Sox. Boo! 
at shortstop Tim Anderson of the White Sox. Boo for all his antics with Josh Donaldson. In the outfield, you've got two New York Yankees. Yeah, Aaron Judge and John Carlo Stanton. And then uh, rounding out the outfield will be Mike Trout and your DH will be Shohei Otani. So we've got two Yankees, two Angels players, and two Blue Jays players in the starting lineup. Interesting there. And then Rob Manfred actually instituted two like legend players for each league this year. In the National League, it will be Albert Pujols. And in the American League, it will be Miguel Cabrera. So that's kind of cool there. All right. I'm going to talk, jump back over to the NHL for a brief moment. Has nothing to do with the draft or anything. On Tuesday of this week before the draft, the San Jose Sharks named a new GM, Mike Greer. Greer will become, this is historic, he will become the first black general manager in NFL history. But he's not even the first GM in his family. Well, what am I talking about? His brother, Chris Greer, is currently general manager of the Miami Dolphins. Two brothers, both GMs, in two different professional sports. Oh my God. Insane. I would love to meet their mother because she must have done one hell of a job raising these two. Like, holy crap. And if there's any other siblings, I'll have to do some research in this family. They're probably highly successful. It Just unbelievable. So that's my story of the week. I just could not believe that. That is a very underrated story that is not getting enough love in uh, the media right now. Just ridiculous. Two brothers, two GMs in two of two different major sports, professional sports franchises. Just insane. Okay, that was painless. Um, Pretty much wraps it up. Um, We'll get to on this date in sports in just a second. Uh, As for what you can watch this weekend, you've got round two uh, of, well, the Genesis Scottish Open is, uh, that was suspended in round two with Adams Fenson winning that at 15 under, Trey Mullinax. There's not really too many guys in in this tournament. Um, And if you were paying attention, I don't, I'm assuming it was this tournament. Uh, Will Zalatoris was playing with Matthew Fitzpatrick and somehow he hit a wedge shot just off the green and it landed on Matthew Fitzpatrick's ball marker. I have never seen anything like it before. The announcers were stunned. Fitzpatrick uses one of those casino chip uh, ball markers. The ball landed directly on it and came to a stop. It it was insane. Um, So that's going on. Of course, you've got Yankees, Red Sox, um, let me get back here to, uh, yeah, you got Yankees, Red Sox tomorrow, and I'm assuming they'll be on Sunday night baseball on Sunday. Uh, what else? Um, we had the Adesanya fight over the weekend. Of course he won that. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I mean. Uh, oh, NBA Summer League is going on. If you guys are into that, I've been some, I've just been paying, I haven't really been watching too much. Some highlights of Chet Holmgren here and there. Um, some other highlights. I know the Nets were playing today. I don't, I don't pay too much attention to that necessarily, but I do, I do think it's cool. I like to see the two way players, um, they get their chance to essentially make a roster because they were not drafted. Um, let's see. Actually, that what that golf tournament I just talked about, that's not the one. That's not the main one. The main one that's going on is the Genesis Scottish Open. I thought that's what I said. Um, maybe I said some Canadian thing. Anyway, Cameron Tringale is winning that. Gary Woodland, Fitzpatrick, they're up there in the top five. Shawfully, um, Bunch of guys there. So if you're not doing anything this weekend, watch that. Um, but it should be, it's supposed to rain actually on Saturday. 
tomorrow. So I won't be golfing tomorrow, but it should be picking up nicely. I, I have a tea time set up for Sunday with my dad, my brother, and his and my brother's wife, my sister-in-law. So that should be fun. Um, that's always a good time with the bickering and 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 whatnot. Uh, so yeah, without further ado, let's jump right into on this date in sports. So today in sports history, July eighth. 2010. Can you guess what happened on July 8th, 2010? It involves LeBron James. Well, I'll just let him explain. The answer to the question everybody wants to know. LeBron, what's your decision? Um, in this fall, man, this is, this is very tough. Um, in this fall, I'm going to take my talents to South Beach and um, join the Miami Heat. Why? Um, <clears throat> like I said before, um, I feel like it's, it's going to give me the best opportunity to, to win and to win for multiple years. Um, and not only just to win in a regular season or just to win um, five games in a row or three games in a row. Um, I want to be able to win championships and I feel like I can compete down. Ooh, the decision. Remember that when LeBron James thought it was a good idea to go on national TV as a Cleveland as an Ohio-born player, the next coming of Michael Jordan, to go on national TV and tell every Cleveland Cavalier fan that had grown up loving this man and watching him play for their hometown team, the hometown hero, who single-handedly took them to the NBA Finals, even though they got smoked. I think that was, was that against the Spurs, maybe? Or, anyway. And then to decide and say on TV that he'll be taking his talents to South Beach. And then remember when him and D-Wade and Bosh had that whole crazy introduction where he's like, not one, not two, not three, uh, 11, whatever. And they ended up, what, they won like three championships? Like, great. That was pretty much a failure. That whole decision was just a... Uh, Total disaster. It ruined the NBA for the most part because it started this whole idea of super teams and then Steph and KD and Draymond and Clay teaming up. And it's just been a whirlwind of just craziness in the NBA. But yeah, that happened on July 8th, 2010. And for some reason, because my brother was a huge LeBron James fan, for some reason, he convinced me to go on the NBA store and and buy a LeBron James Heat jersey the second it became available. So I have like a Miami Heat LeBron James jersey stuck stuffed away. Actually, no, I I think I probably donated it um last year uh, sometime now that I think about it when I was cleaning out my drawers because I'm just like, why do I, I I despise LeBron James? Why do I have a LeBron James Heat jersey? But I was young, 2010. I was um just graduating high school. So I wasn't very smart. In fact, I had just graduated high school. That was two months after I had graduated high school, not even two months. So, you know, I was naive. But some poor kid now has LeBron James heat jersey. I, I'm sorry. Anyway, that's going to pretty much wrap it up, guys. I hope you enjoy your weekend wherever you are. I'm going to get in some uh, golf on Sunday. Tomorrow with the rain, I'll probably be inside all day. Um, I'm, I joined a custom league in MLB The Show um, it's been highly addictive. I'm in two leagues, actually. My friend got me into it. So I'm with my friend and then a bunch of like pretty much random people, um, maybe one person that he knows or so. And I got stuck with the Nationals. I made a couple trades, um, killing it with my pitching for the most part. My bullpen sucks, but Juan Soto was an absolute revelation. I'm leading the league in home runs with him, with R in uh, RBIs, with, with Nelson Cruz. I traded for Nick Castellanos, uh, a couple pieces here and there, but my team's clicking. I don't have the best record, but uh, I should make the playoffs and, and things are looking up. So that's been real fun. And on the movie and TV side of things, um, if you haven't gotten a chance, there's a really good uh, show, not getting much recognition, called The Bear on FX and Hulu. And it is a, a cool, quirky little show about a young chef in from Chicago. He is um, 
Italian. He he was like 21. He was winning awards for cooking. He worked at the greatest restaurant in the world, a French uh, restaurant in New York. And he was just miserable because his boss, played by Joel McHale, who makes a cameo, was just an absolute nut job, would just try to make him feel so miserable and so terrible, but he was just such a good chef. And then his brother, who makes a cameo by John Barenthal, um, kills himself, actually, and he owned a restaurant in Chicago, a sandwich shop, and he leaves it to his brother, who they they were close growing up, um, but they had not gotten along in years past, and he never let it, him into the shop, and the brother always um, couldn't figure out why his bro- his older brother wouldn't let him help him cook in, in the sandwich shop, and then he's just shocked when he, he leaves it to him in his will, and now he's stuck with this rundown shop, and he's trying to bring it back to life. So it's cool. It follows the character. It's the fast pace of the working environment in the kitchen and whatnot. Uh, and then another one that just came about is um, on Apple TV. I've been talking about it for a while. Blackbird starring uh, Ray Liotta and Taron Egerton, um, as well as Greg Kinnear, who does a phenomenal job. There's only two episodes so far. It just came out Friday, but um, it's based on a true story. This young kid, mid-30s, whatever, he gets busted for trafficking drugs in Miami, and he's he's facing uh, 10 years, and then he's given an opportunity to go into a maximum security prison in Missouri for the criminally insane and get real friendly and cozy with this one guy who they believe murdered 14 women, although they've only found one body. And once he gets a confession, he will get his freedom. But he's taking a big gamble and a big risk by going into this prison. And and because if he if he hurts somebody or has to defend himself and gets years tacked on to his sentence, there's nothing that they can do to stop it. So it's a huge gamble for freedom. And I'm pretty sure if I was in the same boat, I would do the same thing. I don't want to spend no 10 years behind bars. And if it takes me a a full year to get a confession out of him to find locations of those bodies, then it takes me a full year. But I would do it because one year versus 10, a whole lot different. So yeah, uh, some good stuff out there. I finished Stranger Things as well, but this is more of a sports podcast, so I don't want to bore you with all this good stuff. So without further ado, guys, gals, boys, girls, that's going to wrap up episode 176 of This Week in Sports. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. I'll see you on the flip side.